So doing all those three things in the same time, we called it the, th the three touch rule. Now my goal is to do that three times with that student, every single student in class and do it in a way that doesn't feel superficial mm -hmm. and do it in an organic way. So I always tell Are you looking for a way to drive growth, sales, communication, and retention in your academy? Kovar System's six-month program director course is designed to help members of your team thrive in the important role of program director. With step-by-step -step training, we will cover a wide range of topics, including prospect follow-up, overcoming objection, and securing enrollments. Our program will teach your team members to effectively communicate the values and benefits of martial arts, which can be a game changer in securing more enrollments at your academy. Our next six-month course starts on this date, so don't wait and visit our site, www.covarsystems.com, to get your team enrolled in the upcoming course. Again, that's www.covarsystems.com. Enroll now and get ready to see some real results in your business. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle Satori Masters Podcast, the ultimate resource for ambitious, hardworking school owners that want to get their business and their life to the next level. My name is Dave Kovar. I'm a lifetime martial artist, business owner, speaker, and author. My goal is to empower listeners with the knowledge and the tools they need to break through barriers and really get their business and their life to the next level. Thanks for watching and enjoy. Welcome to the Satori Lifestyle, Satori Masters podcast. I'm your host, Dave Kovar, and with me today is Nick Wilson. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you. All right, Mr. Wilson. So so Nick Wilson and I have had like a 30-plus year relationship. Yes. So just a quick like history, eight or nine years old, your mom enrolled you in the school. Yeah, so my mom enrolled me uh, after I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yes. So I turned nine years old, and she got me started at your school in 1990. Yeah, and then you trained and got your junior black belt probably mm -hmm. at 14 or something yes, like that. Sir. And then you took a little time off, and yep. uh, and you got a, you were into basketball. Yep. And I, I and, and I remember you. I, as a matter of fact, I remember one time uh, by Carmichael Park. Yep. I, I remember you walking <clears throat> home with a basketball in your under your arm, or walking yep. wherever you were. And you know, I'm thinking, oh, there's Nick Wilson. I sure. don't know that I stopped to say hey, but I remember now you're probably 17 or 18. Yep. You started back, yep. and you actually called me, and you said, "Mr. Kovar, I know I quit. Is there any chance I can yeah. come back?" What What was going through your mind? So what you were know, you thinking? it's funny. I don't think I've told you this before. So I played basketball from third grade all the way until I was a sophomore in high school, and I made the the freshman team, and I made the JV team in sophomore, but I didn't make the varsity team. Okay, I wasn't good enough, and so there was like that point in time where I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? You know? And I'd always been in martial arts. And so I just thought, well, I need to have that, that feeling again, that community again. So yeah, yeah, that was yeah, part yeah, of what our, spawned. Your loss was our game. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> my, my deficiencies at basketball, are your game. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and also you and of course our, our good friend, uh, John McLean were yep. my two UKs in a video that I did years ago for seventh degree. And you were yep. like 23 years old at the time. Yep. You know, of course I was, probably a little older than you are right now when we yes, that sir. happened. Man, that was, that was, I think that was, uh, I'm trying to think of the year. I think that was like 2005. So, right. you know, like 18 years ago or something like that. And, and one of the, the reasons, of course, now, uh, you know, what you do in our organization, you've had every position. How many different locations have you worked at through the um, years? Let's see. I've probably worked at five and locations. And you've opened a couple locations yeah. and, you know, you've done every position. And of course now, you know, we've got you, you know, your, your, your primary thing is instructor's training and right. you also, of course, coach other martial arts schools and best practices, mostly, although you can talk about anything, mostly in the area of instructor development Correct. as well. 
well. And I thought that would be a good place to kind of kind of start. But one of the things where uh, you know I, I feel like uh, you know kindred spirit for a lot of different reasons. I, I but but is is there's very few people that I feel like. Uh, love martial arts as much as I love martial arts, you know, and, and by the way, I'm uh, uh, and and that doesn't mean like I'm training as hard as I did, but I still love it as much. And sure. I, I see that in you as well as it's kind of like something that, that this is kind of what we do. You know, what I mean, this is like not just a hobby for us. It's Thank a lifestyle. You, yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. And uh, and now I, I, I know that you're, you're training, you've your multi-style black belt and I, a lot of emphasis in your jujitsu the last few years. Yes, sir. As with mine, I guess, too. <clears throat> right. And I noticed uh, you, got, you got something on your finger there. What's up with that? Oh, just broke my finger a couple <laughs> weeks ago doing jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so we have this battle all the time about training smart and trying to age yep. gracefully. And, and so what would you say? So first off, let's just talk about that for a minute, okay? You've been training a long time. You're 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 really proficient in so many different arts. Your your striking skills are excellent. Your weapon skills are excellent. Your jujitsu is excellent. And and uh, you know you what what are some of the things that have kept you like first off kept your passion strong for for martial mm-hmm. arts? Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, a lot of things. Um, I think one of the things that keeps me passionate is con- continuously putting myself in situations where. I'm I'm not the best, okay. right? And so, you know, I, and I think you've been a big inspiration to me in this in this point because all growing up, you you took us different places, right? You introduced us to different instructors, you introduced us to different styles. So I think that was one thing I was always used to is I'm going to be put in a situation where I'm not the best in the room and or I don't know much about this style of martial arts and I'm going to walk away and everything's going to be okay. Right. I, I, I grew I grew. It's OK to be a white belt. So yeah, to speak. it's OK. And it's it's not like you have to feel like you're the best all the time. And so I think that's always been something that I've been really comfortable with. Yeah. And uh, and so I appreciate you for kind of bringing us up that way. Well, it's kind of like Shoshin, right? Beginner's mind, and that is is that it, it's 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 something that you know we have all myself plenty of times where I said, man, if I st- I don't really know that if I go there, people are going to see that I don't know that. But yeah, man, you know, people respect you when you step out there, and even if you don't look, you know, you're out there yep. in the game, you know, and, and and like so. And by the way, the other thing is is that, and I know you're aware of this too, but the the more you train in different arts. It's like there's only so many ways the elbow bends, you know. The more you know about one thing, it seems to often help, you know, Definitely. in another area. Yeah. The other thing I like to do is um, just kind of do my own personal education, reading, um, watching YouTube videos, getting inspiration from, you know, different martial artists. Yeah, yeah. And I think more and more with my new role and with the kind of direction that I've been going with my career, I feel like I'm more – inspired not just by mar- great martial arts but really great coaches okay good. and really great leaders and um i i find a lot of inspiration in you know professional professional coaches you know whether it's football or basketball or baseball just kind of other sports outside of just what we yeah. do and how can they help their players not just on the the court or on the field but how can they help them with other aspects uh, and kind of work with them on their limiting beliefs mm-hmm. i feel like that is something that I'm, I really try to, um, you know, work on with well, myself. Well, and it's something that not a lot of people like, uh, you know, how many people do I know and you know that 
that I haven't maybe matured much since high school. They're good people, but that's just not what they think about. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they're busy doing other stuff. And, and I, I see in you, you know, an inherent desire to to be better, you know, and, and not just better in martial arts, but I'm, I want to be the best dad I can be. And I, you know, yeah. I want to be the best role model. And, and so, you know, you, it's like on a quest and, you know, that makes a difference, man. You know, it's, it's sometimes we don't notice improvement in ourselves in the short term, but over the long term, we go, wow, uh, you know, that, that issue would have bothered me a lot before. I got to share a quick story. I'm kind of bragging a bit. But a couple of weeks back, I did a uh, I was doing a presentation for a non-martial arts event, and I was sharing one of the mastery mindsets. I remain calm even in challenging situations. And it was there was about a hundred CEOs from various uh, companies all over, and and a, I was showing them a, a, a balance drill where you do a breathing and balance drill, and the, the leg is up, and I'm yeah. counting, and we're doing a breathing, and and while this is happening, the microphone goes out. And and the guy has the elect the, the 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 technician comes over while I'm talking and doing this balance thing. He comes over and switches out the thing. And and this one time, I, ten years ago, I would have it would have thrown me off my game. Sure. But I was able to roll with the punches, and you know it, it worked out fine as we're going. And it, I didn't even think of it till afterwards. The guy goes, "I the irony of the fact that you were talking about remaining sure. calm during challenging situations while that was going on was pretty cool." I go, "Oh, that was, yeah." It was like right. a, like an, every now and then you go, "You know what? I, I I'm a little better than I once was," and I see that in you as well. You know, your ability to be able to be, you know, uh, calm under pressure and you're such a good leader. But tell us a little bit about the role that you what what, what you're doing now within our organization. So within our organization, as as you know, um, we have uh, different locations throughout greater Sacramento, corporate owned. Um, We have a few that are licensed and then we have a number that in New Jersey that are licensed schools. And the majority of these locations have been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. you know, anywhere from 10, 15, some of them, I think we're getting close to 20 years and established management at all these locations. And one of my roles that I feel like I'm really passionate and excited about is how can I get all these schools that have been around for a long time and, and successful in their own right to really come together and work together and be something bigger than just their own location. And, you know, if, if I'm a, a, a head instructor at my location, there's a tendency to take this, um, entrepreneurial spirit and this ownership mentality, which is a great thing, which is what we want everyone to have. But sometimes it can go so far that it's not, jiving with what everybody else is trying to do. And it's really hard to scale that when we're, we, we want to open up more locations. So I think part of where the the balance that I'm trying to find myself is give folks the freedom to really express themselves and grow their schools in the way that they want to, but also do it in a way where I'm helping folks come together and create systems and processes so we have longevity in the company. Yeah, so you, what you said, what you the coined a phrase a few months ago, the United States of Kovar is kind of like, <laughs> exactly. you know, we have all these states that it yep. aren't, aren't necessarily, and, and just to put in perspective, we have an amazing team and we have a lot of tenure and a great people. But sure. what, what we've, uh, uh, what happens is, is when you, if you, if you're going to, expand and grow, yeah. we got to be speaking the same language to a certain degree. And I think you've done a great job. And, and that's not as just as easy as just saying, hey, we're doing it this way because sure. you want everybody to, to, you know, to, to, you know, be drinking the yeah. Kool-Aid, to believe in it. And so I think you've done a great job. A couple of things you've done is like you've created a couple task forces, right? Yeah. You know, where, all right, you're going to, we have an issue. You've gotten some of these guys together and you've let them figure it out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like kind of put the power back in their hands, explain the mission and they kind of have to, you know, and for me, it's been a little bit, 
it's been a little fun because I get to see them. I don't want to say struggle, but <laughs> a little bit of struggle trying to figure out how to how to work and 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 figure out a decision as a team, because as as a leader, that's that's what you're trying to do, mm -hmm. right? And um, I really feel like before you become a leader, success is all about you. And after you become a leader, success is all about your team. It's, it's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. how well the team uh, performs. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's challenging, but uh, I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it's kind of like uh, uh, the more you can uh, for, get people to uh, appreciate the process and then, and then the more buy-in they have, the more say I have into something, I'm more likely to own this project. And I think that's yep. what I've seen that you've done. If you said, all right, man, how do you want to do it? Let's, and then someone gets to it's realize, all right, other people want to do it differently. How, you know, where's the compromise? How can we make this work? And sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all, it's all based around communication. Right. And I feel like <clears throat> everything that we do in our, in our roles and really instructors and students, you know, you're always trying to best your best to communicate effectively. And I feel like the the mistakes that I've made in, at work or in my career or in my relationship have all been based around communication. Right? Yep. Yep. And so how can we really maximize that and get everybody flying the same direction? Right. So get, so let's just talk about that for a second. Sure. Right? You and I have a different way of looking at things. Yep. Okay. And you want to come to some kind of resolution. So yes. how do you go into that? What's your thought process going into that? Boy. So <clears throat> this is something I've really worked hard at um, for a long time, but I think and this is something that you've probably, well, I know you've coached all of us in the company to really be the type of person that's self-aware, you know, that is looking at themselves in where am I in my state? You know, am I upset or am I not upset? How, you know, how am I, am I showing up as my best self? Right. right. And I think when you can do that, you're better, you're you're more prepared to have those tough conversations. So I think for me, where I've gone wrong a lot in communicating or not communicating well is I haven't shown up in, a, in that right state of mind, yeah. right? Is something else outside of work was bugging me or I didn't get enough sleep or something else was stressing me out or my perceptions of yeah. reality were wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, I assumed somebody's intentions that weren't at, at all true. And then that, that was the point that I, that I approached the conversation with. So the first thing I need to do is before I'm having a cover conversation with someone, especially an important conversation is I need to take a step back and say, okay, where am I state of mind? Mm -hmm. Am I, am I showing up with best intentions for this conversation? What do I want the outcome to be, which you talk about a lot, mm -hmm. but also am I perceiving someone else's thoughts? Am I assuming someone else's thoughts versus asking for clarity? Right. I, I just had a family member um, uh, that I had a heart to heart with uh, just uh, not too long ago uh, that this particular person, my daughter, <laughs> she's awesome. Uh, so, so she's, she had a conversation. She goes, you know, dad, I have these, and I, I've sensed it. I have these arguments with you about a way I think you're going to view things. 
before really asking you. And then, and then in my head, you, you respond in a way I don't like. And next <laughs> thing you know, I'm down this rabbit hole. Sure. <laughs> and it was like, I got to do a better job. And, you know, is, is this really what you're thinking? And I go, that's not what I'm thinking at all. Okay. Sure. I, I kind of knew that, but you know, and I've done the same thing. So I think for me, it's like, what's your desired outcome? Right. And when you talk about bringing your best self to the occasion, I think in my experience, every time I've, I've stepped into a situation where I've got to have an uncomfortable conversation with somebody and it, it and if I'm in my, if I'm emotionally charged in a negative way, it never goes yeah. well, you know? And so it's kind of like when I, but when I bring my best self to it, there's a phrase, spontaneous right action. I'm the most likely to say and do the right things, right. you know, when I'm clear in my, and also if I'm not making preconceived ideas of what you're thinking, yeah. I'm not going there already knowing that, you know, having this argument with me yep. in, 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 in my head that never happened. hundred percent. And then the other thing is, you know, taking care of myself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've been guilty in a lot of times of just go, 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 mm-hmm. go, wake up, <laughs> complete tasks and yes. just be this yes. robotic machine. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I'm not, I feel stress, ignore that stress. You know, I don't need sleep and I don't need to eat healthy. And then, it's almost like it's kind of like akin to not stretching, mm-hmm. right? I'm just going to redline it and eventually I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. Versus if I take the time, I feel that stress coming on, I need to take a take a step back, go for a walk, I need to make sure I'm eating healthy, I need to make sure that I've got that downtime, that I'm maybe taking time to meditate or yeah. journal, and that to me is like that's the stretching, right? Mm-hmm. That's the stuff that I need to maintain this level of calmness yeah i guess yeah. right and if i don't then bad things are going to happen you know it, it's, i'm going to snap or i'm going to get irritated or whatever it is yeah so it, it's kind of like the mastery mindset number one i take great care of myself because yeah. the world needs me at my best it's so easy to forget that it's so Definitely. easy to say i got too much stuff to do that and the the bottom line is is that every now and then if you know if you got to have a red bull to get through the evening so be it but if that's sure. how you're living your life then you got to go wait a minute is what what can right. i do differently you know what i'm saying and like is it i you know uh, you know, I don't know about you. I, I do know about you because I'm sure it's the same. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. I'm a better father. I'm, I'm a better instructor when I'm feeling good about myself, when yep. that momentum is going and I kind of owe it to my circle, yep. you know, to take that time. Yep. Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so let's, let's switch gears a little bit now. So, uh, you know, I, I know you've really got a strong, uh, you know, like a lot of really good personal habits, right. Mm-hmm. In place and, and they involve exercise and rest. And so how do you view like, is why, how do you look at exercise as it compares to martial arts? Why is that important for uh, you to do some resistance training, some endurance training, some stretching? How does that help? How's, how do you feel that's going to help your longevity in your training? Well, I mean, there's a reason why if you look at any professional sport, be it basketball, football, baseball, there's a reason that those folks do strength and conditioning. There's a reason those folks do mobility and and stretching and massage and all this kind of stuff. It's because it's going to help them long term be able to function at a high level. So when I think about that, for me, that's really my ultimate goal. I'm not... I'm not trying to be a bodybuilder by any way, shape or form, but I just want to be able to train for a long period of time up until, you know, as long as I can. And so the strength and conditioning is the armor that gives me. I love that. I love that viewpoint on it. You yeah. know, it's kind of like go to battle without armor. You might be okay, but you're going to last a lot more battles if you have armor on hundred percent. So I need to have that armor. I need to be able to have my muscles tight and also loose, right? I need to be able to have that mobility. So if I get jerked in a certain way. I've, I've got that flexibility. So, um, you know, f- for me, that's probably the, the main thing is, is keeping up with that, uh, 
not not redlining it. Not I'm not mm-hmm. like a CrossFit person where I'm pushing myself yeah. to the edge every single day. But it's just slow maintenance. Yeah. So I can train for a long time. You know, kind of, time. of the way I've come to look at it now is that consistent, how important consistency yeah. is, right? It's more important than intensity, yep. but it's kind of like, you know, consistently, consistently overtraining, dangerous, Yep. inconsistently overtraining, a waste of time, not going to be a lot of benefits from that. Mm-hmm. Inconsistently undertraining, why bother? So the sweet spot is consistently undertrain. You know, it's sure. like, you know, kind of like just... Uh, stay within your wheelhouse and yeah. and every now and then okay you're going to step it up sure. but for a short period of time but that's not going to be it's kind of like if you train too hard too often it's not of a, if you're going to get injured it's just a matter of when it's just it's, it's going to happen it's icarus right right yep it's like yep. flying too close to the sun it's just a matter of time right yep and yep. like you said if you're getting ready for a competition you know something like that you ha- you have to ramp it up but you shouldn't be ramping it up 24 seven all year long. Yeah. You can't, it's impossible to stay at fight shape year round. Yeah. You just see that you're not going to do it. All right. Yep. So switching gears now, man. So, uh, you, you do a lot of instructors training. That's pretty much what you do is help people become better instructors and you're helping to, you know, get the next generation of people that learning how to teach. So kind of take you through, take us through the process of, 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 so first and foremost, kind of what qualities do you, uh, you know, do you see that are important in a, in a potential instructor? Oh man, there's so many. Um, so, you know, if I could, if I could wave my magic wand and, and create a, a, a great instructor, I think one of the big things I'd probably look at if I was to just pick someone out, like if I was to scout someone would be, do they already have pretty good communication skills? You know, do they, do they have the ability to just talk to people? Is that uncomfortable for them? Um, that would probably be my first and foremost thing I'd look for. And then as a martial arts instructor, do they have a passion for martial arts? Is it something that they that they feel like they have to do or they're forced to do or is something that they really enjoy doing and they don't really have to be forced to do it so much? I, I just, just got to stop you right there for a minute. There was a thing in the in the industry back in the 90s and there was somebody started this thing called SAA. SATP and it stood for Staff Accelerated Training Program. Okay. And the premise of this, and it's been tried a lot of different times in our industry, is okay. let's go to the universities and let's find people that have degrees in early childhood education okay. or let's find PE teachers and let's teach them martial arts. They're the perfect people. Right? Sure. And on paper, it sounds great. But the point is, is that we did we tried it a little bit, but we've always worked hard to groom ourselves. So we maybe didn't need to as much as other people. But it almost never works. Almost never have I ever seen it work for anybody because they didn't have this love for martial arts. Yeah. It just happened to be the thing that they were doing. And yeah. I wouldn't agree, I agree with you. I think the X factor is they got to kind of believe in what we're doing. 100%. And it's like, I would prefer, if I had to choose, I would prefer to take someone that's a little bit rougher on the teaching side, but they have a true passion and desire for martial arts for themselves and other people than take someone that's already a gifted teacher, but they don't really have a strong desire to, to it's just people gravitate towards passion, right? They want to be, they want to be surrounded by people that are genuine and authentic. And it's not something that's just, you know, they're just saying it. And so those would be the things that I would look for, um, past that, uh, someone that's, you know, looking to constantly have kind of like that growth mindset. Right. So, you know, training, we think of teaching as a separate skill, you know, Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan was a great player, but he wasn't super effective as a coach. It's a completely different skill. So, um, seeing, seeing that someone is able to take feedback and they're able to 
actively look for feedback mm -hmm. and getting better as a teacher, I think mm -hmm. is really mm -hmm. important. So now you've got, uh, so, so what, what, give me some, all right, you've got this person that's passionate, they, sure. they communicate pretty well, they seem to enjoy martial arts, they, so you, you, you know, what's the process? How do I get this person to be a polished instructor? Give us maybe some basic things that I got, I should do. Yeah. So first off, uh, you know, I'd probably take that person off to the side and just have a conversation with them about, Hey, do you ever want to? Have you thought about being an instructor? Mm -hmm. Everybody's at a different spot in life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you might have someone that's, hey, I, I can come in once a week and help out at the school for three hours a day. I've got a full-time job and three kids. They're not going to be able to dedicate as much time as, say, you know, the 18-year-old that's off for summer break, yep. right? Yep. And so where are they at? And then from there, then I decide an action plan based on what their availability is and their goals are. Okay. But let's just assume it's it's that person that has a lot of time okay. on their hands, okay? So the first thing I would have them do is obviously we have a, a structured, you know, curriculum for our teachers that they are given, you know, both a, a written manual and online courses. So they're going through that, they're educating. But the first thing I would have them do is they're on the mat as kind of an assistant and a helper. And their goal is to build rapport first and foremost, because in order for students to trust them, they have to like mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. And I don't want a newer instructor going around and giving a whole bunch of corrections yeah. to students if the students, frankly, don't even know who they are. It's really an important distinction. And the other thing, if we, if you, if we were to go back in time 30 years ago and go back to maybe when you first started helping out when you were a kid or whatever, the advice I probably would have given you would have been, hey, Nick, we'll call you little Nick. Hey, little Nick, yeah. thanks for helping out. Um, this is what I want you to do. I want you to look for kids. If their guard is down, tell them to bring their guard, their guard up. Yep. And if their knees aren't bent, tell them to bend their knees. And if they're not keen, I'm telling them to And it sounds like good advice. Sure. But what's happening is I'm training their eye to look for things that they're doing incorrectly. Sure. And I think initially what we want to do is with that new student is we want to train. Because by the way, anybody, the mom on the stands that doesn't know martial arts, she can tell when the kid's knees aren't bent and their guard isn't up. Right? Sure. And so as we want to train their eye to be looking for things that people are doing well, and that's, right. that's kind of along lines of what you're saying. Yeah, looking for people that are doing well, but also eye contact, yeah. you know, using their name, yeah. you know, giving compliments. Mm -hmm. So they're really, they're walking around trying to build relationships. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing is not treating students like a number, but treating students with the respect and dignity that they deserve. Because the students want to feel seen and validated. Now that, that we've built that connection, we've started to build that relationship now let's start to work on corrections. So let's let's just think, and you know, we've tried to really systematize this, and 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 it's something that that we started a long time ago, and you kind of took it to a whole nother level when you put together the Satori Alliance. You know, you fill in a lot of holes that were maybe lacking in the original instructors training program that we put together. But so when you're talking about this connection, like. Three by three would be a good example yeah. of that. Once you take people through. So now it's, it, what you're saying is great, but we have to have a recipe, right? So give us sure. some of the some of the, 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 the ingredients in some of the recipes with a new instructor. Yeah. So we have, uh, you know, what you said is the, the three times three rule. That's actually a combination of two rules. So there's what's called a three touch rule. So if I go up to a new student, I say, wow, I really like your front kick, uh, Jimmy. And I give Jimmy a high five. So I'm doing some type of appropriate touch. I'm looking the student in the eye and I'm saying their name. Mm -hmm. And and it has to be done with sincerity. Sure. Right? Right. And so we're doing all those three things in the same time. We call it the, th the three touch rule. Now my goal is to do that three times with that student, every single student in class and do it in a way that doesn't feel superficial mm -hmm. and do it in an organic way. So I always tell 
new instructor or trainees, you're going to be giving praises anyway. You're going to be giving corrections anyway. Might as well add their name in, add eye contact, and add some kind of appropriate touch. Love it. Right? Yeah. So the second thing is um, I we call it the 15-second rule. And that means if I'm walking around, there shouldn't be – I should have some type of student interaction if I'm a, a helper every 15 seconds, meaning I shouldn't be standing in the back of the classroom kind of waiting for five minutes to do something. Right. So that's kind of, you know, there's that lead instructor that's usually in charge of the whole mat and they don't want to have to, you know, be babysitting necessarily right. that, that new helper. And so that new helper really has to take initiative to go out and look for opportunities to praise or correct or set an example. They really have to be active. So we call that the 15 second rule. Um, other systems that we like uh, for a brand new instructor that's not at the stage yet where they're able to take a full group of students mm -hmm. is we like them to do one-on-one -on -one tutoring sessions. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're essentially going to pull a student out of class. They're going to work with them for a couple minutes on a basic move, maybe one that they've already learned, clean it up a little bit, and send them back into mm -hmm. class. So by doing that, they're essentially getting – you know, if I did that 20 times, I, I essentially got 20 private lessons. So I'm trying to expedite their their growth as an instructor by doing in, that. In a, in a very safe, uh, non-threatening manner. Correct. And everybody benefits. Because if I'm new and I'm all of a sudden I'm in charge of 20 people and I'm not yep. very comfortable, first off, I may not do very good. But also, I don't think it makes a good impression to, to the mom and dad that are there when yep. someone's not, the pro's not there. But guess what? You know, I've got a chance to do this one-on-one. -on -one. There's yep. The eyes are not necessarily on me. I get a chance to learn how to teach and what works and develop my skill. And by the way, there's no parent that's going to have any objections to their, you know, their, 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 their child. So it's a really right. nice way to get people in, in the process. Of yes, it. sir. Very cool. Yep. So um, now I've got somebody. What, what are kind of the next steps? How do I get somebody to like the next level? What do I have to be able to do to be able to like maybe go from that point to be able to like run a class? Sure. So that's the first step is can you do a whole bunch of these one-on-one -on -one lessons? Because I, as a trainer, I want to – if they're making mistakes at one-on-one -on -one lessons, they're going to make those same mistakes in front of a group. So that gives me an opportunity to f kind of fix some of those mistakes. It's usually communication errors or just the way they're phrasing things or the way they're approaching things. Let's fix some of that stuff now at the one-on-one -on -one level. Then the next step I would say is I'm going to give that instructor a small group of students for a short period of time. So I'm going to probably give them five – Really good students, you know, A or B students for five minutes. So I got to stop you right there. I, I had a thing happen uh, where, you know, uh, years ago, I remember my son Alex was about 12 or 13 years old and he was gung-ho to help out in class. I probably shared this story with yep. you more than one time. And and so he showed up to help out and I gave him four of the worst kids ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking, oh, good. I don't have to deal with those guys, you know, like, yeah. like, like, uh, and then all of a sudden I remember that night saying, dad, I, I don't like to teach. I'm not very good at it. And I'm going, what? And it was like, I set him up for failure yeah. by giving him the worst guys. And so your point, you, when you, when you, we want them to walk off afterwards thinking yes. I did good. So, which means I got to set him up for success by, uh, giving them some of the better students when they first start this process. You know, it's like if someone was lifting weights their first day, you wouldn't set them up to bench press 300 pounds, right? Right. It's going to be a slow, gradual. You want them to build that confidence. You want them to get be excited to come back the next day. So, you know, five kids for five minutes, maybe it's the next day, five kids for seven minutes, yep. then it's five kids for 10 minutes. How important is feedback after those sessions? So important. And so, um, and just like with our, our regular students, every staff member is different. This is where I feel like you really knowing your staff, just yeah. like every student is different. Yeah. 
Some people are are better at taking feedback than others. You know, some people you might need to give a lot of praise for them to hear that one piece of feedback. Some people you can be really frank and give a lot of feedback and they're able to absorb that. So it's really knowing what, how people. So Pat Riley had a five to one ratio of praise to correction with yep. some of his pro athletes. Yep. You know, these are guys that you would think would need but it. He but he didn't always. No, no, it was, it was some yeah. of them. And it kind of goes back to John Wooden, the great UCLA yep. basketball. She said, treat everybody the same by treating them differently. Right. You kind of got to know to your point, you know, what, yes. what motivates, you know, yeah. the, the, the people on your team and how can I best interact? And sometimes it's asking them is a good way to do that. You yep. know what I'm saying? How, how can I best communicate when I see an issue? You yeah. Know? And I think to that point, uh, you know, you brought up John Wooden and his whole definition of a success is not winning or losing, but it's, did I do the best that I could with the skills that I have? And so when I'm training instructors, that's what I try to, when they're walking away from teaching a class, perfection is not the goal. The goal is doing their, their best. Mm -hmm. And so they'll have, you know, it's just like anybody else. You're going to get down on yourself because you didn't teach the perfect yeah. class. You didn't say that yeah. your students weren't perfect, but at the end of the day, I ask them, hey, did you do the best you could? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then guess what? It was a successful day. <laughs> I, I was uh, this last weekend, I was on the East Coast doing a promotion for, you know, a good friend of ours and, and uh, someone in our organization. And uh, there was another guest there that I was trying to figure out how I could get this guy on stage to be a part of it. And I didn't quite figure it out. And uh and it, like at the time, I, I wasn't, it, and so he ended up not being a part of it like I would have liked to have had him be it. Okay, okay. and he was he was good with it. Was nope. he going to do a demo or no? Just just to be a part, just okay. be a, just to be a part of the celebration of this gentleman getting his new rank. And 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 in hindsight, I figured out how I could have done it, but I beat myself up for hours over it uh, um, because I you know I didn't handle it. But then I, to your point. In the moment, I did the best I could, and right. but I've learned from it. So in the future, now I've got a strategy sure. that I can use. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Yep. And it's like it's like so. Yeah, we don't always get it right, man. But it's the key thing is can we try to not make the same mistake too many times? Yes, sir. So then the next step. So going back to the instructors, I would take them for a small period of time, small students, and then I'm slowly giving them more and more throughout the class to where they can take the full class, whatever that is for your school, whether that's 20 students or 50 students for half the class. And then the last step is, can they take a full class? Mm -hmm. And then from there it's okay. What different age groups can you teach? Cause we have a lot of instructors that teach kids really, really well. But now all of a sudden when they have to teach adults, it's a different hat yeah. you have to wear. You 100%. have to demand a different type yeah. of expertise or, or, you know, and the flip side, right? I could teach a really great adult class, but I don't have, but I don't have skills to teach kids. It's a completely different thing. Totally. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's a fun, challenging thing to kind of, there's so many different personalities and just. Well, one of the things, and I know you do this well and you're very well aware of it, is like teaching people how to teach, just like teaching itself, is more art than science. There's yeah. not this formula you can use that's exactly this order. You know, here's here's our basic outline, but right. I've, I've got to you know be paying attention to what you're doing and, and giving you feedback. And I'm reminded about Ken Blanchard's book, The One Minute Manager, that probably was 30 years old now. It's it's the, one of the best books you'll ever find on it, but it talks about on, on management or leadership, or you, but is is feedback immediate and specific you yep. know yeah good and how important that is because like like you got this guy in this that's doing a five minute session then he's doing a seven minute session if he's doing things wrong and you're not there to point that out guess what he's just doing it wrong for seven minutes instead yep. of five minutes right so yep. could you comment on that yeah and i think um it's all on how you phrase it right and so 
I always try to phrase those those corrections in a way where I try to people make people feel um, don't feel bad, right? And so anytime I can phrase stuff where, you know, I saw I saw what you were doing there. There was a time where I used to do the same thing or other instructors mm-hmm, do the mm-hmm. same thing. So now I'm making them feel yeah, like yeah. it's a normal thing. Yeah, the mistake yeah. that you're making is a normal thing. And it's not you're just inherently bad as an mm-hmm, instructor because mm-hmm. that's never the case. Um, so, that, yeah, and absolutely. And and getting folks, it kind of goes back to trust, right? And getting the students to trust you. In my role, I have to get the instructors to mm-hmm, trust me. Mm-hmm. Because if they think that I'm just there to point out everything that they're doing wrong then that relationship is going to be strained, right? So I have to get them used to, I'm giving you correction, but not because I'm trying to get down on you, but because I'm trying to help you. And I think most people come around eventually. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like, I'm reminded what Stephen Covey talked about, building up the emotional bank account. And one of the benefits of, and and I I can do a better job of this, is I assume that you're doing a good job, but I forget to tell you, and then maybe something isn't going as well. And I'm going, hey, Mr. Wilson, let's talk about this. Sure. And, and, uh, and and it's an easier conversation when you're in rapport with a person and, and and you know you're not nitpicking all the time, which yes. is why we've got to, when we're when we're doing instructor's training, we got to notice things they do well and specifically say, I love how you did X, Y, and Z. Because right. then inevitably, when you see something they can do better, they're going to be more receptive. It's human nature. You know, yep. they're going to be more receptive to input. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Pope John Paul said, see everything overlooked lot correct a little you know it's a kind of a good rule of you know uh, of, of thumb with that well so just to kind of in summary uh why you know what do you see as a twofold number one is is why martial arts for people what do you see that benefit them and then mm-hmm. why why martial arts as a possible career option so you know first off you know why should people do martial arts or should they well, I think that there's a lot of things that are um, challenging to learn, right? So you've got martial arts. I could pick a number of activities, hobbies, sports that are going to challenge me. Um, one of the things that I think is specifically challenging about martial arts and I think helps with you know what you're going to get out of martial arts is especially when you're having to work towards defending yourself against a resisting opponent and it's one-on-one and there's a lot of fear there. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's scary. Yeah. Right. It's super scary. If you've never sparred before, you've never grappled before. Now all of a sudden you've got someone on top of you and you can't breathe and you're, you know, you feel like you're going to die, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or I'm scared of this person across from me that I feel like is going to punch me in the face and I have to, deal with those emotions it's like if you can deal if you can figure that out and you can deal with those emotions and still stay calm under pressure that's going to have such a big carryover to other aspects of life because i feel like it's going to help with your resilience it's going to help with your emotional kind of regulation um that if i'm playing football i'm sure i have those feelings but it's maybe a little less dire if if I don't uh, tap right away, right? I'm not going to get my arm broken or if I don't keep my hands up, I'm not going to get punched. In. Yeah. M- maybe, but um, so I think uh, why should you do martial arts? <laughs> uh, because it forces you to face your fears yeah. and it forces you to really deal with some of those emotions that I don't think you would be put in an 
other situations. Yeah, you know, it's and, and, and like as, as you know, as you and I both know, a- anything can develop confidence. Another sure. sport can. You Abs- know, hundred percent. I'm not yeah, trying to no, discount I, no, anything I else. Wasn't taking it. Absolutely not. Yeah. But what makes martial arts unique, I think, is what you just said. Is that like. You know, you're, you know, you're live training. By the way, in most cases, at least with us, we try to keep it really safe. There's totally. always a risk of injury, totally. but you can, you know, you do that in anything. But, but, uh, and so much of it is like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bow in against this guy that looks, you know, that's bigger and stronger, uh, you know, or faster. And, right. and it's kind of like, they're not your opponent. Your opponent is, is your, you know, is your ability to be calm under pressure. And yeah. like, and, and, and there's so many, like, for example, if I'm training with someone, I'm sparring with someone that's bigger and stronger and more experienced. I'm not probably not going to win, and that's yep. okay. Can I maintain my you know composure? Uh, composure? And yep. if the person I'm training with is hopefully a good training partner, I'm not going to get injured either. I'm going to sure. Uh, and, and so, man, that's so powerful to know that you can kind of you know be in the game and and other stuff like hey, man, you 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 know you go you know, fitness kickboxing. That's great. You're hitting a bag and sure. you're getting a good workout. But it's not the same as like like you know having to kind of put it on the line, so to say. And, yeah. And and I think the other one things that benefit from martial arts, I like to add on to it, is of course because of what we teach, is violent. It really obligates us to swing the pendulum to the other side. Totally. Yeah. You know, yeah. We've got to emphasize courtesy and respect and self control, and, and that's not necessarily something they're hearing from other coaches because it isn't necessary in other sports. For us, sure. we have to. So now these kids are hearing about. How to do a polite greeting and 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 you know the importance of of, of de-escalation and all those sure. things that that don't really apply if if you're in chess club, you know. Yep, absolutely. I feel like it also helps you kind of address some of your own insecurity, yeah. some of your own ego, and like the the example that you gave. I I could be sparring with someone in our staff class, and I know they're gonna do better than me, right? They've got a better reach or they're faster, they're stronger. And I know I'm probably going to lose, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Right. Right. I'm not going to just only play the game if I think I'm going to win. And that's healthy for me. That's good for my ego. It's good for me to put myself in a position where I know I'm going to lose, but everything's going to be okay. Yeah. I'm going to put myself out there. Um, what was the second part of your second question? part of the question was, is that, all right, now, you know, what are some of the benefits that you've seen either in yourself and with others about, you know, this unique profession that we find ourselves in, you know, to being on the delivering end of teaching martial arts as a career? Yeah. Um, well, there's not a lot of professions. I mean, for, for everything that we just said, right, about all the benefits of, of martial arts, there's not a lot of things that you can do that are going to get that same um, impact mm-hmm. in our result. I mean, my mom was a school teacher for 30 years. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom, yeah, of and she's always shared with me a whole bunch of stories about her students and successes that they've had over the years, and how proud um, she is of them. And I think to some degree, I would kind of put us in that same category yeah, of, sure. uh, as a teacher, yeah, right? as a mentor. But I think, the things that are unique are the things that we've kind of talked about yeah. is, wow, I'm really put in a situation where I'm scared to death and I'm going to take some deep breaths and I'm going to get through it. That is, those are, um, situations that we've built into our program, which are going to be long lasting all the way, you know, throughout people's lives, they're going to be able to look back and go, Oh, I remember that situation yeah. in my martial arts class that I was super scared and I overcame that. Like, how can you put a price on that? Yeah, yeah. Right? And, you know, we've and, seen it. for We've heard that firsthand, people coming back for years saying, you know, I thought I had a hard time believing I could do this, but I remembered this experience. Yeah. And, and you know, 
by the way, people can be successful in life and, and be confident and good people and uh, and have never never touched in martial arts. But it, but, but I'll tell you what, it is a very satisfying, yeah. you know, and and uh, a, a role to be able to do. And it's one of those things that that uh, uh, it's once you you kind of taste the benefits. It's 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 uh, I'm. My opinion is every every kid should learn how to swim, and every kid should learn martial arts. And I don't think just kids, adults as well. And and uh, unless you've and if you've done it, there's very few people would disagree. Very few people sure. are going to train in martial arts for a couple of years and go, yeah, it was a waste of time. I yeah, mean, I, I don't know that I've ever heard that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So I think uh, as a career, um, it's got a ton of benefits, especially if you're. You know, you're in charge of a school, you manage a school, or you own a school. I mean, and you, and you run a school well. It's got a lot of uh, financial benefits mm-hmm. to it. Being a good business owner, um, I think that you have an impact on your staff. You have an impact on your students. You have an, you, you can make a huge impact just in your community, yes. which I think is really cool. I think when we look at our top clients with Kovar Systems, each and every one of them. You could you can tell has made a splash yeah. in their community, and their community is better for them because of their school and their students and and what they bring. You know, I, I was at a um, a family uh, party a couple of weeks ago. It was one of my brother in laws had this big. It wasn't just family. It was a party that he had. There was hundred people there, and it was a like a luau in his beautiful backyard. And there was this couple that both their kids went through our their program, and they both got their junior black brother kids. And that was they're in their thirties now. And they trained from eight till fifteen or sixteen, and she searched me out, and she must have spent fifteen minutes telling me the impact that's had on their life now. One of them is a fighter pilot, and wow. and, and the other one is uh, is an attorney, and how they got there. You know, she basically, and, and of course, there was a lot more than that. She basically said it was all due to martial arts, which we know is not true, but sure. it was nice to be in the conversation, sure. and and I, you know, and, and we've seen it firsthand, and I know it to be true. So, you guys that are out there teaching, just don't take it. It's not a kick and a punch. It's that, but it's so much more, and the effect that you're having on your community, and 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 uh, and going forward, and and, and uh, is just massive. And we are really have the ability to kind of shape the world in a different way. So. Yeah. Anytime I get a new group of instructors that are just they're just learning the ropes is I usually sit them down and I say, "Do you have the right to call yourself an instructor?" Mm-hmm. And they all kind of look around, they're like, uh, "Not really. I just started teaching." And I go, "Well, if you're on the mat and you're not in the role of a student, then everyone else is looking at you as an instructor." And so you may not see yourself that way, but everybody else sees you that way and you could say something to a child that could keep that child could that whatever you say to them that mm-hmm. could stick with them forever. Yep. And it's not always the head instructor or the black yeah. belt at the school that's going to make the greatest impact. It could be, frankly, your 15 year old yeah. green belt helper yeah. that becomes some big brother to some kid that you know didn't have a great home life, right? Totally. So, it's huge impact to those those newer instructors. Yeah, very good. Well, all right, man. I, I so appreciate you and, and everything that you do for just the martial arts world. And, yes, sir. and thanks for tuning in. And we'll talk again. My pleasure. Thank all you, right. sir. You bet. Oos. Oos. Thank you for tuning in today to our podcast. I hope you found it valuable and inspirational. To stay connected, please subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you go for your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's show, please give us a five-star review. And we really, uh, sincerely, would appreciate some feedback. Your feedback helps us to create high-quality content that will help others in the future. 
If you'd like to follow me, you can go to Dave Kovar on Facebook or Hanchi Dave Kovar on Instagram. Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you on next episode.